0: Into the contest. It is Monday the 7th of June. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert. I'm joined by my co host Shane Lee. And Shane Lee, he had everything bar the whistle on the weekend. He was standing on Courtside, netball, basketball, hot dogs. Tell us about it.
1: Mate, a whole weekend of kids' sport. Uh, Zara's playing basketball. Abby's playing netball. Thomas was playing rugby. Thomas was playing soccer. It's been a big weekend at the courts, mate. So I'm looking forward to Monday to do some work and get away from uh, kids' sport. That's for sure. Did
0: he get, did he get a few goals? Uh, Tom, what's the latest?
1: Steve Gillis has been on the phone. Yeah, he got three in the weekend, mate. Three, just, yeah. the th- just the three in the weekend. But they no, played well and the girls played well as well. So it's, um, no, it's good to watch them. But, yeah, it's a big commitment, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I just find myself eating about 14 sausages with onion and egg. <laughs> doesn't really help my
0: my dieting process. Uh, all right, we've got a huge show on the way. Coming up, Jaslyn Hewitt, of course, the French Open. So much going on there with Roger Federer pulling out. And Alan Stachich former Matildas coach, he's now with the Central Coast Mariners, and they are finals bound. Deep dive action, of course, in the AFL. Melbourne are flying along. Uh, They they beat Brisbane. Richmond played well. But what about Newcastle? Old boys' day, um, Shane. Absolutely destroyed in the NRL. How much significance is put on it when you're an ex-sports person or you're part of a club? Like, you've played... Club you played state you played for your country that that would have been humiliating for everyone involved forty to four
1: yeah the eels looked good didn't they 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 absolutely smashed the knights but yeah you, you're right Timmy you go along to those matches where you have a bit of a reunion and you, and you go there hoping to experience the feeling that you had. As, as teammates um, so they, the boys would have been looking for, for a big win from the players on the paddock but it wasn't to be the Eels looked unbelievably good mate uh, very very strong uh, both uh, up front and out wide mate they were, a, they were a very dynamic team and they're looking good for the for the finals Yep Shano they
0: weren't very happy there were no Novocastrian grins yesterday absolutely whack so uh, coming up on Afternoon Sport all the news from the French Tennis Open it is Jaslyn Hewitt time to talk tennis on a Monday and there's a stack about of course the French Open and that means Jazlyn Hewitt is with us. How are you Jazzy? Good
2: it's been a big week.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. It's been a massive week Jazz. Now Roger Federer has just pulled out in the fourth round. He, he's got through the fourth round and um, he said his knee's not up to it. The French are not happy. No I
2: mean it's, it's been touch and go for him uh, since he started back in Geneva after he's had the uh, two surgeries over the last 18 months on his knee and, and by all reports he's been um, speculating if he should get back on court before every match mm. so it, it is a big letdown for uh, Roland Garros and the French Federation and, and the French take things quite personally so he's <laughs> not uh, looking very very good in their eyes at the moment but it is definite that uh, his, his next goal is is another Wimbledon uh, title and uh, that's what he's been working towards and unfortunately he's 40 in two months and the, the body just doesn't uh, Uh, recover as well as it does when it was about 20.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, if there was any misconception that this was his farewell or his swan song, I think that's out the window now.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not how you want to finish anything, and this is what he said in all of his press conferences. Um, It's not how he wants to leave the game, however... But um, he still would have a good crack at Wimbledon. I think he's got to place his bets, uh, hedge his bets in that way.
1: The women's draw is way open now, isn't it? Um, obviously, Ash Barty pulled out. Osaka's out with depression. So, that the, And the women's draw is wide open.
2: Yeah, especially after last night as well. So Serena Williams has uh, has gone down in a tight match against Selena Rubikina, a um, a 22-year-old uh, Russian, so it's uh, oh, sorry Kazakhstan, so very, very tight for her to go down there. And Victoria Azarenka, who would have been, uh, was looking forward to those two playing in a quarterfinals, but uh, however, they couldn't quite get there. So it is definitely a changing of the guard in the women's as well. You've got uh, the top half is is wide open with Coco Garth Sloane Stevens and Sophia Kennen up against Iga Swiatek, the defending champion. So you've got two Grand Slams champions within that, uh, Kennan and Swiatek. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting mm. on the women's side.
0: Ash Barty, very emotional, wasn't she, Jazlyn? She'd sort of centred her thoughts for this French Open. She's won it before. And when injury gets in the way, it really does, um, you know, it hits at the it hits at the heart, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it was so, it was so disappointing for her in the fact that the hit uh, Injury was uh, an acute strain coming in on the weekend before. I think she had her other issues with her knee and her wrist all, all maintained and managed. And then this one just pops up, which it really just proves what the amount of tennis that she's had over the last three months, how successful her and her team have been. And, and you could see that in a press conference that she was so passionate and so so happy with the her form and and being away from home and having having her team around her and their support so it's very disappointing for her given that she, she has uh- one Roland Garros previously. However, um, there is another Grand Slam in another four weeks and that's where they're all looking to peak for
1: again. Um, Jazz, what, what do you, what's your take on Naomi Osaka? It's, it's a very dividing, um, or at least people that I've spoken to, half people think if she's playing, she should be doing the interviews and other people say, well, hang on, the girl's got depression, leave her alone. But where do you sit? <sighs>
2: I think the whole situation probably could have been managed slightly better. Um, I'm not sure what information the WTA or the French Federation had at the time. It's one thing to come out and be brave and make a stance. And that's what it appeared she was trying to do in the beginning. However, if anyone's suffering from mental illness and and depression, um, you really have to feel for them and the emotional roller coaster uh, that she personally would have been going through for the last uh, two or three years, dating back to the twenty eighteen yeah. uh, U.S. Open final against Serena, is when she's she said it's first uh, kicked in. So it. It's it's concerning. However, I think the, the game of tennis and that uh, high elite sports person's life and their mentality, they are wired slightly differently. So yeah. um, the amount of anxiety and pressure that these players put on themselves week in, week out, um, and I think especially in an individual sport, they don't have a mate there um, necessarily to be able to uh, bounce things off. Mm. In the lower ranks, you're not always going to have a coach there with you. So, it is disappointing you feel for her and i think the way things have played out it probably needed to be managed a little bit better and and those key people within the wta and the uh itf or french federation who are running the grand slam if they if they possibly knew that information would they have gone so hard at her Um, Mm. i think things could have played out differently
0: can more be done do you think Jaslyn, it's so, so much as you know. I mean, we've been through a difficult time, obviously, right around the world with COVID. Uh, but and tennis is like logistically just trying to stay, uh, stay going. Really, and we saw that with the Australian Open. We've seen it here with the French. But is enough being done for players in this space? Everyone talks, oh, they get lots of money. They can get over this stuff. But it doesn't quite work that way. Is enough being done in the mental health side of tennis because it is such an isolating game? It is different to every other sport.
2: The, the WTA and uh, ATP do have structures in place. Uh, Tennis Australia had a big push last uh, over the last three years with their wellbeing program, so educating players. I think this is also a change in our society, um, the resilience of players <clears throat> and being able to travel uh, week in, week out, I think uh, it's now turned into society and kids are just that expectation that they'll get things straight away and that there's no need to work for it. So I think one, uh, as a culture, we probably need to build our resilience back up again. However, they do have systems in place and this is where if, if people do go out and search and look for it, but I think it also takes you to be in that mindset to be looking for it and if you're suffering depression, you're not always going to be looking for the answer.
1: Yeah, well said. Um, It would have been – I really feel for Ash Barty who had to pull out of this. It could have been – I know Yvonne Goolagong celebrating 50 years since she won the French Open in 1971. Wouldn't have been lovely if Ash was playing and we could have had an Australian winner 50 years apart.
2: I know, and both Indigenous females. And I think that was probably what Ash had his heart set on, which is so so disappointing Mm. for her. I think that it was fantastic to have that – recognition for Yvonne Goulagon-Colley having her 50th um, anniversary of the title she won back in 1971 her her maiden title and um yeah, it, it's an anti-climax, but I think we're looking at all of this and the whole uh, Roland Garros and looking yeah. at uh, – they're lucky, they're lucky to be out on court. They're, they're not having crowds uh, in nighttime matches when you've got some some of the biggest names in the world playing due to their curfew. Uh, I think they're probably like uh, Tennis Australia was and happy to have the event and mm-hmm. get it up and running given given the times that we're in.
0: Oh, you're talking about a legend there. Oh, an absolute idol when I was growing up. So graceful. And I've had the opportunity to meet uh, Yvonne Gulagongkuli on a number of occasions. Just one of the most delightful human beings. What an absolute legend. And, and a nice way to, to wrap up our tennis chat today. Thank you, Jazzy. We'll, we'll talk real soon. Sounds good, guys. Have a good one. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, the coach of the Central Coast Mariners in the A-League. It is Alan Stadjic. PlaySport is calling Game On for a new way to play, a free platform to explore and be inspired to connect to thousands of sport, rec, and well-being activities in your community. Just go to PlaySport.com. PlaySport. Whatever moves you. What a delight on afternoon sport. Uh, One of the really successful people in Australian football, Australian soccer, whichever way you want to talk about it, is the Central Coast Mariners coach, Alan Stachic, and he joins us right now. How are you, Al? Yeah, good, guys. How are you guys going?
1: Really well, mate. Alan, uh, fantastic season so far for the Mariners.
0: Yeah, I like the way you said that so
3: far. Um, Look, obviously, that's the first part of the comp over and and a massive accomplishment for, for our club. and for our team and look we're all really proud of the playing group especially
0: but um you're right only so far the, the big the big games are get to come but that that was a pretty big game that western united game wasn't it and it, to win it in the emphatic fashion in which they did and to commit to the manner uh, in which they played that 2-0 was a big win yeah massive win massive win against the high quality team they
3: um haven't had the best run of form recently western united but you're playing against some of the best players in the league and and for us to win with, with what we had on the past, two or three key players out, but just to show the resilience and hang in there and, and fight to the death and, and get the last goal at the end of the game was, was, was really a good test of character and shows what we've been like all year, to be honest.
1: Yeah, they're definitely really playing for each other, the guys. Um, it's, not the, it's not the richest club, is it, the Mariners, but they, they're performing way above expectations, I suppose.
3: Yeah, that's a massive understatement.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He says in a low voice. (laughs) Yeah, we don't
3: have the resources that other clubs have. As we know, not all all things in a sporting team are based around money and you know the collectiveness, the unity within the group, the leadership within the group—they're all the things that don't cost money, and I think we've got those in 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 buckets in buckets and space.
0: Yeah, and they want to play for each other, don't they, Alan? There are none of those massive incomes or superstar Broadway acts of the game that are playing. It's this this group that's come together that wants to play for them, for each other, and their coach.
3: Yeah, I think I think the boys have showed that uh, they've got they've got a massive sense of. Uh, collectiveness about them there, there's as I said the leadership group I touched on that uh, just a bit earlier but the way that they've bonded together and the way that they, they fight for each other off the field and on the field is, is a real testament to, to their characters as individuals and the way that they've come together as a group and really they deserve a lot of credit. For them.
1: Alan the Olympics fast approaching um, big test both for the Olly Roos and the Matildas how do you think will fare over there on um, the Australian teams?
3: Yeah look tough it's going to be tough for every country, um, you know, with, with COVID and the amount of preparation that each country has been able to do. But the Oli Rus have got an extremely tough draw. We're hoping to have quite a few of our players here in that tournament. You know, uh, I definitely think there's at least two or three from our team that'll be over there representing Australia and possibly Gianni Sensen's, even representing New Zealand as well. So, from a club perspective, we're, we're really proud to, to be able to have a couple of boys over there. But look, it's going to be tough, no doubt. The Oli has got a tough draw. Matilda's have a tough draw, um, you know, probably a little bit higher ranked with the women. Um, if we really play to our peak and, and can hit the ground running, there's, there's no
0: reason why the Matildas can't win a medal. Has there been a great growth of the women's game in this country, Alan, as a father of a 14-year-old girl that, that loves playing? It, it's just grown uh, in, a, in, a, in a way that I didn't think it would. Yeah, look, it's grown exponentially probably in the last
3: 10 years. Um, it, it had a steady growth. Probably from 2000, the Sydney Olympics were a massive catalyst, I think, and then from 2000 to 2010, there was, there was massive growth, uh, but it's been exponential since then, and then the rise of the team and the rise of profile personalities uh, like Sammy Kerr, and, and I guess a little bit earlier, Elise Perry as well, and just having those those names out there in the general public and then becoming household names has really changed the whole tide of, of not only Matilda's, but I guess women's sport as well So Look, it's been a massive shift, hasn't it, in a short space of time, in, in three to four years, and then the level of professionalism that's come along with that also means that the game will just prosper in the future, and all those codes now have a profile that they probably didn't have even as early as two or three years ago.
1: Yeah, great to see the women gigs of recognition, um, and having the 2023 World Cup here has got to help as well, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, that'll be another shot in the arm uh, for the code, um, just to get that exposure out there into into the landscape. it's some of the biggest games in the world and, and probably the biggest tournament in the world for women's, for women's sport. W- wouldn't be too far behind the Men's World Cup and the Olympics now uh, with the TV ratings that they're getting around the world and, and the amount of exposure. I, I remember in 2015 when we played America in, in Game 1, the TV ratings for Fox was something like 25 million viewers and the NBA Finals were on at the same time and they had 24 million. So. That's the kind of exposure it gets in some countries,
0: and and you know to think that that's coming to our shores is, is just a great shot in the arm for our code. Yeah, and just on the subject of TV, how good is it from Clubland to look out, or Clubland rather, to look out and see a five-year deal done with Channel Ten and Paramount, sort of securing that part of the game into the future? Yeah, look, it's. it's <laughs> I was going to say it's Paramount. It's a, it's a foundation for the sport yeah, and, bad, They might use that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't mean that as a
3: pun, but it's obviously a massive. Uh, Massive injection into the sport and, and, and good testament to the people who, who went in and fought for that deal. But just to know that we've got that security and probably haven't had that security during the COVID era uh, about what was happening with the league and, and where the revenue streams are going to come from and the separation from, from FA as well are all question marks hanging around the sport. So just to have that in the back of our minds and knowing that we've got security and something to build on it and work from it is just a massive boost as well for, for the A-League and the W-League as well.
1: Hey, Timmy, I've never asked you this question. Did you play soccer? Were you a goalie or where would you play? Well, I mean, it's quite obvious <laughs> that I would have been if that was the case. No, I
0: never did. I was was more of a uh, fast-running, slow-tackling uh, rugby league player, Patrician Brothers Fairfield. But um, I, I've, I've probably been a better observer than I have been a participant over the years. My kids are better than me. But, Alan, look, it's, it's always great to have a chimwag. Congratulations with what you've achieved at Central Coast. Um, I, I know a lot of people in and around the club, and I know what you are doing. you do don't have and, and to have done what you have and to be uh, heading heading to the finals, uh, you must be looking forward to that. Yeah, look, we can't wait. I just, I just hope we get a massive crowd out there. I hope we get 10,000, 15,000 out there um, on the weekend and,
3: and come out and support the boys and really show everyone in Australian football that regional clubs are are, are critical to the success of our sport and the more we expand our sport to all the four corners
1: of Australia the the healthier sport we'll have. Yeah good on you Alan well done mate thanks for coming on the show we really appreciate it. Thank you appreciate your support as usual thanks.
0: That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Follow us on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you today to Alan Statchich and to Jaslyn Hewitt and, of course, our wonderful sponsors, Spartan. Yeah, www.spartansportshq.com. And speaking about kind of wonderful, our producer Dan McHugh. We'll see you tomorrow for your daily dose of sport.
1: We'll see you then, guys. Take care.